I want to thank our sponsors, the Trent Law Practice in Halifax. These guys know that anytime you need a lawyer, whether you were injured in a car accident, face criminal charges, or have family issues, it's probably the most stressful time of your life. Mike Trent and everyone there is committed to seeing you and your family come out of a bad situation the best way possible. So if you even think you need a lawyer, give them a call at 434-471-4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com. Most consults with Mike are free, either in the office or over the phone. That's TrentLawPractice.com or 434-471-4339. We are in a time that the need for information is at an all-time high. 10 Minutes of Truth with Sean A. Barksdale is committed to bringing you the truth. Hello, everyone. This is Sean A. Barksdale. This is 10 Minutes of Truth. If you have been following us, we've been doing a series called the Life, Health, and Death series. We just had an explosive interview with Chaplain Vance Midget. He gave us an inside uh, exclusive look at Uh, his daily works and his contribution to the community. Uh, Following that, we have uh, Centura's own hospice administrator, Ms. Ryan Stanley. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to uh, be with us. Um, For all of you guys who have known, as we're saying, we're putting together a series to just bring and uh, highlight uh, what our community does and what our hospital does in the community and how much you guys are a fixture in the community. Um, so briefly, tell us, you know, a little bit about your background and how you came into this role. Sure. It's been a, it's been a long time. I've been with hospice for 12 years now. Wow. My first post-college real job okay. that I kind of stumbled into. I have a, a counseling background. Hmm. I applied for a position at behavioral health that got filled before I started. But they said, but we have hospice positions, which, you know, was scary, of course, especially straight out of school. Right. Um, But I got into it uh, as volunteer coordinator and loved it. And then I worked my way through volunteer coordinator, um, outreach, social work, bereavement, um, intake manager administrator so I've done a lot of growth within hospice oh. in my time here okay okay that's exciting uh, hearing that you know at first you know coming out of college and and you know having that type of fear uh, that just that kind of speaks volumes because most of us we fear what we don't know right right you know and a lot of times we don't step out because of fear we won't learn anything else because of fear so you know once you do it's like Oh, it wasn't what I thought. It was this and that. And you probably learned so much and gained so much knowledge and information and been able to give back to the community because of stepping out like that. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, death is the great unknown, right? It's scary for everyone. Right. Um, But especially, you know, no experience whatsoever going into that was difficult. But it's given me a lot in my time here. Okay. That's that's beautiful, though. Um, So... The main job is to create and maintain the medical component of every patient's plan of care. Uh, The administrator is responsible for developing a comprehensive medical care plan? The administrator, so my case managers, absolutely, they work with the patients, they work with the families to be sure that they have a plan of care that addresses all of their needs. So physical, psychosocial, spiritual, um, all of those needs are addressed in our plan of care. Okay, okay. So uh, most people don't know. They, we hear the term, but we don't know. So what does the term hospice mean? 
hospice is a, a formal benefit. It is defined in Medicare regulatory language as a program, an all-inclusive program for those whose prognosis is six months or less. So we have to have reasonable expectation that that patient's gonna die within six months. Mm. And then once we have that in place, we can deliver comprehensive care to them. So it's not just nursing care, um, it's nursing, it's social work, it's chaplain, it's um, home health aides, it's therapy if needed. And then in addition to the services that they get, we're also providing their medical equipment, we're providing their medications that contribute to their comfort. We're, providing basic medical supplies. So it's a very, very good, all-inclusive benefit covered at 100% under patients' Medicare and okay. under most insurance plans, too. Okay. So those are a few questions you've answered. We'll dig a little deeper. But you were talking about uh, the hospice team. It's an actual team. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you uh, just describe to us the, a little bit about the team, those names mm -hmm. that you just said? Sure. Um, the case manager is going to be an RN. So that's going to be your person who is working with you to be sure your plan of care is addressing all of your needs. But okay. that case manager is also directing a lot of other disciplines. So a medical social worker, who's someone who has a master's in social work, hmm. um, who's there to help with psychosocial concerns, help with, you know, there's a lot of paperwork at this time, you know, you need a lot of resources. So that person helps access all of those, hmm. um, helps provide emotional support. As you can imagine, there's a lot of that needed as well. Um, a chaplain, the other discipline that I mentioned, to be sure that your spiritual needs are are addressed um, that person can coordinate with your own faith community okay. or provide um, chaplain support independently of that therapy would be you know if you still have a goal of you know I want to walk to the end of my driveway every day to meet my grandkids when they get off the bus right. we want to make it so that you can do that as long as possible and if that means that you're getting physical therapy on a regular basis we want to provide that to you so that you can meet your goals um, home health aid, someone to help you with the bath, get you up to the shower, just kind of be there as support while you can. Um, do bed baths when you can't. Okay. Um, be sure that all of those hygiene needs are met. A medical director, so we have a physician who oversees all of the care. You know, he's on call for us all the time, 24-7. So if something comes up and you need physician support, we have that too. Okay. Okay. So um, saying that... Uh Hospice, it has certain levels. It, it's not just one level, right? It's about four levels. There are there are four levels of care. Right. Somebody's <laughs> done their research. Right, right. So most, a great bulk of our care is provided under a routine level of care. Okay. That means that the patient is at home, wherever that might be. Okay. So if that's home, if that's nursing home, if that is assisted living, wherever that is, we okay. would provide care to them there. And that's just your day-to-day -day basic hospice care. We also have um, inpatient, general inpatient care, right. which is for uncontrolled symptoms. So if there's something going on with the patient and we cannot manage it at home, you know, that patient's gotten really agitated or um, they're in a great deal of pain and we've tried everything we can try at home, right. then we can bring them to the hospital to be sure those symptoms are addressed. Okay. We have inpatient respite care, which is just for caregiver relief. You know, the caregiver is the daughter who's own child is getting married and you know they need some time right. away okay the patient could come and get respite care so that that person could leave and do that and then we also have continuous care which is a lot of the same 
regulations is that general inpatient that I mentioned, but it's in the home. You know, not everybody wants to come back to the hospital and we recognize that. So if they're having those increased symptoms and they need someone right there with them, we can stay in the home with them mm. until that's resolved. Okay. Uh, yeah, I found it fascinating once I started doing my homework because I, you know, I've known people, family members that have been on hospice and you just, uh, uh, like I was uh, saying earlier, you just think of the death part. Mm -hmm. You don't think about the team, the, the managing, and the different you know components that go with it. So right. you know, thank you as well for your service in the community as well. Um, because when I started looking at the social worker, you were saying earlier that a social worker uh, comes in, mm -hmm. and so you know it has to be paperwork X, Y, and Z. But uh, I remember the chaplain saying that you guys help in roles right mm -hmm. so the team that you have around you uh how how are y'all as as far as that helping one another oh we we talk all the time so right. it is a constant work of communication right. between everyone you know one discipline goes you know maybe the aide goes and sees that the patient's changed and she mm. needs to let the nurse know mm. maybe the nurse goes and they mention oh you know that caregiver that we hired from that agency hasn't been here in a week you know right. she'll tap on the social worker can you come and see what's going on with that so we work really closely together we're in constant communication to be sure that all of those needs are met okay Okay, so uh, also speaking about uh, hospice, and like we were saying, most people know it as the end of life. Mm -hmm. So as you were speaking about those plans, you can either be in the hospital or at home. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, the, the major differences of a, a hospice plan at home versus the hospital? So it, you've kind of hit on this a few times, but most people very rarely use the full depth of what hospice has to offer okay. you know most time you're talking about hospice we're getting a referral at the very last minute the patient is really actively dying the mm. the family's you know really emotionally charged mm. you don't have a chance to give those full benefits they don't ever get that full social work and chaplain support and the there you know they don't get the access to those things because it's so last minute um, and that's not the optimal delivery of care, right? We want to get patients in. We want to get to know them, get to know their families, mm. for them to know us, so that when the time does come that they are actively dying and, you know, more symptomatic, that they trust us and we trust them and we're all on the same page. Um, in terms of differences between routine and, and inpatient, routine care at home, like I said, we want to be in early and we want to have a chance to provide that full depth of support especially in the hospital a patient who's in those active symptom crisis is most often actively dying so you don't get a chance to you know sit down and watch the prices right with the patient or right, you know those right, kinds of right. things you don't get those opportunities right. to tell stories and you know all the beautiful things that makes the dying process valuable and right. and good for the family uh, inpatient you're really just trying to get those symptoms under control as quickly as possible you're you're hugging families trying to give whatever comfort that you can it's more of a crisis situation okay um so how hands-on are you with a patient 
in terms of my day-to-day not as hands-on as i'd like to be okay um most often when i see a patient in a family now it's because i've come up to the hospital to do a, a consult a referral okay. so i'm coming to talk to them about what hospice services are um, to be sure their goals of care are are documented and communicated with everyone and to get them started with services okay so does uh, say for instance if if, if it's in the home mm-hmm. and they don't like so do you are you the placement of a nurse in the home so once the patient has gone home i'm handing them over to my team so okay that's when okay. they would start with those nurse case managers okay home. so mm-hmm. do they report back to you if they find a problem if Absolutely. they don't like something yes okay okay, okay. all the time <laughs> right 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 because i was wondering you know with the different phases and like you said you know like price is right you come into some people would say you that you know you take a person's home over mm-hmm. so like the nurses some is it like 24 hours depending on the no and we we scale that up and down based okay. on the patient and the family okay. need so you know most of the time especially if you get a patient early you're going to be there once or twice a week just checking in making sure everything's okay refilling meds you know just very basic day-to-day care okay. um if that starts to change, if the patient's more in crisis or the family's more in crisis, that's when we start upping that care. Okay. I was, as I was um, researching as well, I was looking at some of the features of the hospice care and it said, you know, a warm home-like uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. and, and things, but it was a, a, a term that came up, uh, reflexology. I'm not familiar. I'm with not that. either. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it was talking about you know music, art, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Okay. I didn't know what that term meant, yeah. but like even pet therapy, mm-hmm. you know. So you know how important is it when you're putting that plan together for mm-hmm. a patient that they're comfortable? Right. So we do have we have massage therapy mm. contacts. You know those alternative therapies, which unfortunately can I act like been... I'm going in the hospice <laughs> for the <laughs> massage? <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of those things, unfortunately, have been cut back okay. with COVID being as right. it is. But, right. um, but yes, in normal times, there right. are a lot of those alternative therapies that we have access to okay. as well. Wow. That's, that, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. You know, most of the time, like I said, you know, not having information, not having knowledge, we just think that, you know, an individual comes in and, mm-hmm. you know, gives a person medication and, you know, going about their business right. if they're right. in this position, but it's not as so. So uh, what is the life expectancy on hospice? I know you were saying, so, I think, six months? Six months is the prognosis okay. um, that you have to have in order to come in. With that said, most of our patients do not have a six-month prognosis when we get them. Mm. Just due to late referrals, it's okay. a, a really terrible, it's unfortunate to get a patient really late. Okay. We want to get as close to that six-month timeline as we can, okay. but that doesn't happen most of the time. Um, now, with that said, there are some patients that we get early referrals on, and as long as they continue to meet that criteria, so as long as a physician is still saying, you know, I still wouldn't be surprised if she died within six months, mm. then we could keep that patient. So okay. we've had patients for two years, okay, three years, you know, it's it can be more long-term too. Okay. Um, okay, so saying that, it made me think, uh, I heard something earlier about uh, most people, which we were saying, uh, you know, six months or less, but if a person gets in, uh, learns about their condition, they can be on hospice and not be in the dying stages, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So Speak we have patients, a, a lot of time, 
you know, you get diagnosed with an aggressive cancer, let's say, okay. you know, you get it by surprise, right. you know, you, you hate hearing about those surprise diagnoses, but right. they do happen. And you make the choice at that point that you don't want to treat that, you know, mm. I know that this is where I'm going eventually, and I don't want to spend the time that I have in and out of the hospital, right. you know, that person might still be very independent, and not symptomatic, but right. because of their condition, they would still qualify for hospice. And we love getting those patients in early because right. we really can capitalize on their quality of life. Okay. So what is the difference now um, with the advent of COVID, uh, a, a COVID patient in, in hospice? What's, what's that like now? In terms of how our services have been affected or, yes. or what does it look like to admit a patient with COVID? Uh, both. Both. Right. So, from we, we're a lot better off than we were. Okay. Last March, you know, when everything. How did it look in so the beginning? Chaos. The very beginning when it first hit. In the beginning, when it first hit, we switched off to a lot of telehealth visits. Mm. You know, we were trying to limit touch. When you talk about patients being vulnerable, hospice patients are the most vulnerable right. that there are. Right. So the thought of carrying in this this disease that we didn't know anything about was horrific. So the the mo the littlest we could touch, the littlest we could bring into their home bubble, right. the better. Um, now that we know a lot more about how it spreads and, and know how to protect ourselves and our patients, we have picked a lot of visits back up. Mm. One thing that has been primarily affected is our volunteer services. We have a lot of elderly volunteers, unfortunately, so it's the same thing. You know, you're trying to, trying to balance the needs of the patient with also protecting the volunteers and the patients themselves. So that's been cut back significantly. Okay. Okay. Um, that made me think I had a question about Medicare. I know you said something earlier about uh, most individuals, they're elderly mm -hmm. and they have Medicare, so on right. and so forth. So how, with, the, uh, with COVID, how do you deal with insurance? Mm -hmm. So Medicare is kind of kind of king, right? Right. So a lot of insurance plans model their benefits based off of Medicare benefits. Okay. Almost all insurances have a hospice benefit. Okay. Of those that do, almost all of those mirror that 100% coverage. Not all the time, but almost every insurance plan has a 100% covered, no deductible, no out-of-pocket hospice benefit. Okay. So no bill. Okay. Oh, because I was <laughs> I was sitting there last night and I was just going over the questions and I was like, well, what if, you know, and what if, mm -hmm. <laughs> what if the insurance agencies, you know, if they said, well, you know, we have a vaccine mm -hmm. and you had the ability to take the vaccine. You mm -hmm. didn't. You caught COVID. So mm -hmm. we are going to, you know, jack your premium up. So speaking to families all mm -hmm. right, about hospice, I know this is something that's very important mm -hmm. uh, dealing with families, especially if you're coming into their grandmother's house or their great grandmother's mm -hmm. house. Right. Uh, when you're sitting with a family preparing a plan, mm -hmm. um, what's the, the easiest way to ease this family with this information that they've right. gained? Because it may be all of a sudden, like you said. Right. The important thing to remember, and you have to remind families of this sometimes too, okay. is that we are following the patient's 
wishes. Mm. So if the patient is able to communicate to us, you know, you'll often hear, you know, mama doesn't know she's dying, mm, <laughs> you know, don't right. don't tell mama about oh, this wow. diagnosis kind of thing. Wow. And we can't do that. So right. We got to fully inform mama <laughs> what's right. going on. Right. If she's able to communicate to us, we want her to tell us what she wants. Okay. And then we act as the advocate for that. So with the family, we are reminding them constantly, you know, this is what she said that she wanted. These are her wishes. We're going to all work together to be sure we're honoring her wishes. Right? Okay. Sometimes it's still messy, right? You know, they're, they're, I was about to the ask. Cousin, <laughs> the cousin says, you know, no, no, I don't want it. I want mama to go back to the ER. Right. You know, no, I do want her resuscitated. Right. But keeping that patient's wishes after a good thorough goals of care discussion which i'm sure vance talked about a lot <laughs> right, right right because he gave us uh not to cut you off mm -hmm. he gave us uh, what the plan looks like as far right. as down from if the mother or father can speak mm -hmm. or the aunt to mm -hmm. you know it being the husband if the husband can't do this you mm -hmm. know on down the line to right. the siblings so on and so forth so what happens i'm sure that you have mm -hmm. seen where you're in an office and you're like what is going on <laughs> You know, like yes. you can't get it together. How do you step into that mm -hmm. type of environment and say, okay, listen, yep. how, what does that look like? Well, I'll back Vance up on this and say that everybody should have an advanced directive. If, mm. you, want your, if you want your wishes honored, you don't know that you're going to be able to speak for yourself at the time that that comes. Right. And that might leave a room full of chaos if you don't, right. if you don't have that in writing. But like he said, there's a very specific per law order of events that you go down if people are in a disagreement you have to start at the top of that you know it's spouse mother father you know he i'm sure he gave the order but right. you can isolate that person out and say talk to them individually before you try to address the whole room because right. we want to be sure that we are very clear on what the plan is before we try to advocate for it with other people. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense because um, me and my colleague, we how this came to be mm -hmm. right here with you guys is um, she had told me that an individual, one of her friends, a family member, someone that passed away, mm -hmm. they didn't have a wheel. Mm -hmm. And it kind of went from there and it, it, it spawned into this. Right. Because I, I started saying, okay, and so many people, you know, death is inevitable mm -hmm. and this is something that's going to happen. But, you know, whether we think of spookism or whatever it may be, we're scared of, right. you know, I don't talk about death. You're going to die, Definitely. but you're going to die anyway. Right. So it's best to start talking about it as early as possible, right. you know, and, and getting uh, people in place and getting the uh, procedures in place and getting the right paperwork in place. Right. Because uh, it's just direly important. That's why 10 Minutes of Truth wanted to really uh, put this together. Yeah, um, admirable. Uh, thank you, thank you. But it, it, it's very important. So I heard you speak about, you know, we've been on COVID and COVID is the main topic, but uh, cancer has plagued us for many years. I had, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my, a family member that died from cancer years ago, very important to me. Uh, when putting a plan together, uh, how stringent is the process of putting a plan together for someone with lung cancer versus brain cancer? Lung cancer versus brain cancer, you know, it's not going to be a big difference. Okay. You know, if you look at how diseases metastasize, you, you just don't want to depend on your faculties being mm. there when you need them. Right. If you have a diagnosis like that, and even those who don't, you know, I can walk out in the parking lot and get 
hit by a car in the right. parking lot and my faculties won't be there when I right. need them to be able to advocate for myself. So regardless of disease, regardless of, of where you are in life, okay. you need an advanced directive in okay. place. Thank you. Um, what is the most disturbing thing that you have seen from this virus, COVID? It's got to be the lack of visitation hmm. at the end of life. Right. It is absolutely devastating to not be able to get everyone in one room and hug and hold hands hmm. and talk about the person. That experience is, is so beautiful when it works out. And for families to not be able to get that closure is really, really heartbreaking. Right. We were talking about that with uh, Vance, uh, Chaplain. Uh, Vance about you know being able to go in versus not being able to go in it's, it's, it's important you guys jobs are so important and this is what we wanted to highlight to the community because a lot of times you guys are the last person the person sees mm -hmm. or that they're with right so you become a part of that person and 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 whatnot so we really thank you guys for what you do uh, what you have been doing, what you will continue to do in the community is just, it's, it's really important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, 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 yeah, it's really heartfelt though. Um, and I learned, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about you guys' job having to research. Um, if, if, if there's something that you would want to tell the nation about you and your team, what would that be? It's, it doesn't have to be scary. <laughs> you you right. can't, you know, talking about it is not going to bring it into existence. Um, it's the greatest gift that you can give your family to be open with them, to be honest about what you what you want, to be honest about your condition. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've been in a hospice referral and the patient hasn't even told their kids hmm. that they had a diagnosis. Wow. You know, you, right. we all want to protect those who right. are closest to us. Right. But by doing that, you are giving them the gift of, of being confident that they're doing what you want. Right. So you have to have that conversation up front to be able to do that for them so that they're not left guessing on the other end. Did I do the right thing? Did I right. do what they wanted me to do? Right. Uh, Ms. Ryan Stanley, um, I feel like I'm part of the team now. Well, good. <laughs> yes, anytime. I, I definitely <laughs> feel like I'm part of the team. Uh, so, Ms. Stanley, what are the... Uh, ways that individuals can find out information uh, from you and your uh, specific team. Sure. Yeah, we're always happy. We're always happy to talk to anybody. Please call us. We yeah. are happy to answer questions. We have very friendly staff. They will not make you make you feel any kind of way. You can call us at any point. But four three four five one seven three 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 nine is our office number. That is a twenty four hour line. If it is you know, 10 o'clock at night and you just have a play in question, please call us. There's someone on the other end of the line. You can get us. Okay. Um, com has a lot of hospice resources on it. Okay. You're welcome to use those as well. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to know um, as far as a lot of times people come in or they're here, they're scared, they don't know. Uh, how important is it to ask questions and to, to gather the information from it's, you guys. It's so, so important. You don't want to be in the position where your family member is in the bed in the ER mm -hmm. and the physician is coming to you and saying, all right, this is the situation. What do you want us to do? 
and you have no background. <laughs> you, right. you don't want to be there. You don't want to be in a high pressure, high emotional state trying to make those decisions. You hmm. want to do that ahead of time so that you're prepared for that when that happens. Because it's coming for all of us. Like you said, we're all going there. Right. Eventually, that's right. that's not... You can't get away from that. Right. So right. being prepared for that is really, really important. You really uh, just allowed me to know, and of course allowed the community to know, uh, just how special this is and how special a team is. Because a lot of times we don't understand what teamwork is. <laughs> so you guys, you do an exceptional job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having us. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sean A. Barksdale, and this has been 10 Minutes of Truth. Thank you for listening. 10 Minutes of Truth mission is aimed at bringing awareness to health, wealth, and the betterment of society as a whole. Subscribe and follow us as we drop an exciting new episode every Monday at 4.30, a platform you can call home. Thank you, and welcome to the truth. I want to thank our sponsors, the Trent Law Practice in Halifax. Mike is committed to our Southside Virginia community. He grew up here and came back after law school to work as a public defender before starting the Trent Law Practice with Blair. The Trent Law Practice focuses on helping our neighbors right here in Southside with criminal defense and family law. It can represent you on a personal injury or auto accident matter anywhere in Virginia. You can give them a call at 434-471-4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com. Most consults with Mike or Free, either in the office or over the phone. That's TrentLawPractice.com or 434-471-4339.